priesthood. So if you would, turn to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Can I get some water? I get the cotton mouth. Brother Hoyle. Is uh, my mic on, Andrew? All right. First Peter chapter 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Hope that I pronounced those right, at least somewhere close. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, into obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, and a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. And to whom it was revealed that unto that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according, according to every man's works, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the pleasure but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, whom by whom do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying uh, the truth through the Spirit, and the unfeigned love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, 
but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Then uh, look over in verse 9 of chapter 2. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So as we examine what the gospel of Jesus Christ is to us, we should be amazed by the precious gifts God has given us. As we think about God and his great omnipotence and omniscience, we should with a broken heart say as, say as Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because our undeservingness of his grace and his holiness. Every day that we live should be a living sacrifice unto the Lord for all that he has done for us. Yet we as sinful beings forget and many times reject God's commands to be set apart for him, living our life selfishly. Despite this, God has still chosen his people for service in his kingdom. And what a privilege it is to serve our Lord. Well, let's, let's pray here and we'll get started. See, I got 35 minutes to try to fit all this in. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you just give me wisdom and help me uh, to speak with clarity of mind, uh, just about your love and your grace. Lord, it's, it's unfathomable, and I just thank you for it. And I just pray that uh, this group of people would be edified by your word. In your name I do pray. Amen. Excuse me here for a second. So first we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to see I have three points. Our first point is our election of God. Now look over in verse 2 of chapter 1. I'm not going to get into uh, trying to understand the mind of God. Um, I'll get myself in trouble doing that. <laughs> I think Pastor will be relieved. Uh, but uh, let's see. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> verse 2 says, elect. And that word elect means chosen. And we shouldn't shy away from that. Uh, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So we see there that we, have cho- we are chosen. God chose to save us as individuals, knowing we would sin against him. It says we are chosen by God uh, by his foreknowledge. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.14 says, uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 3-14 through 14 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every idle word, every idle thought, every sin that you and I have ever committed, the Lord still chose to save us as individuals and desires to have a personal relationship with you and I, if you are saved, that is. I'm speaking mainly to believers tonight. But just think of that. A holy, omnipotent, and omniscient God chose to save you and I and wants a personal relationship with you and I when he himself is holy, completely separated from sin. What an honor 
That, that's unfathomable to me. So we see uh, we are chosen by God as individuals. And we're also going to see that God was foreordained, or God foreordained his son to be crucified before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 18, verse 18 through 20. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So not only did God in his great mercy and love choose to save us according to our sins, he chose to send his only son to die for us before he created us. It says before the foundation of the world. God knew before he created us, before he created all this, that we would turn our back from it in the very beginning. That Adam in the garden would choose sin, would choose death over life eternal, over obeying the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What mercy. I can't fathom that. What a loving holy, righteous God, that he would send his only begotten son to be hung on a cross, to be nailed, to become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous. It's just amazing to me. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 9 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we see Jesus Christ foreordained his son before the very foundation of the world to be crucified and wants a personal relationship with you and I, despite ourselves. What a loving God. So next, that's, that is our, uh, our election of God. Next, I want to look at our sanctification uh, to God. Verse 13, 13 through 16 says, <clears throat> Wherefore, because of such grace, because of this, if you look at the prior verses, the context of this, because of such grace, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be, be, that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversations. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him whom hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That word holy, it means, really, it's separation from sin is the idea. And God he himself is holy. He is completely separated from sin. You and I can't even fathom what true holiness is. Not to be able to even... Think, think upon evil. Uh, it's completely contrary to our flesh, to our nature. But here we see Jesus Christ commands us to be holy, to be set apart as he is holy. What a, what a command. 
As the Levites were to be sanctified unto God, we are a royal priesthood separated unto the gospel. Look over at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 talks a lot about this. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things that can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the, worship, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of this book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I came to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offerings of the, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That word sanctified it, it has much to do with the word holy. It means to be, again, set apart for, for Jesus Christ. So it says, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified. And every priest, in verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are, are sanctified. So you see, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are sanctified. You and I, God sees you and I as already holy. Despite our sins, despite our, our daily struggles with this flesh, Jesus Christ has redeemed us. He's paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He sees us as holy creatures. As, again, we are, we are his royal priesthood. That just that, that astounds me. Christ is our redeemer, and therefore we are debtors. Uh, back to our text, verses 18 through 20. It says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So that word redeem, for as much as you are not redeemed, that pretty much it means to purchase. I don't know if you, if you um, say you go to Adventure Landing, this is one I'll understand. You're playing games, you get these tickets. You go take those tickets that you earn, and you redeem them for a prize. You pay, you, pay, you pay for that prize with these tokens. And Jesus Christ has redeemed you and I, has purchased us, has bought us, not with corruptible things as silver and as gold, but with the precious blood. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he sees you and I, that we struggle daily with our sins, 
as, as already holy because the price has been paid. Again, I'm talking to those that, that have accepted salvation, have made Jesus Lord of their lives. What an amazing God we serve. So though we chose bondage and were slaves to sin, separated from Christ, that's really what sin is in the garden. Uh, Jesus said, "If you know, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It says, thou shalt, thou wilt die. Man chose death, and death is separation from Christ. So when you and I chose separation from Christ, you and I chose death. Christ has purchased us with his blood. He was our atonement, and now we are separated unto Christ. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there we see our sanctification of God. And thirdly, I'd like to look at our sacrifices for God. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says, But also, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So you and I are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. We no more have to go and sacrifices, sacrifice the sheep and sacrifice goats. Jesus has purchased us. He paid for us with his blood. But we are to be living sacrifices unto, unto Christ. So yes, we are to be living sacrifices. Romans 10 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, there it is again, the command to be holy, separated from sin unto God, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this, this living sacrifice, this is done through an entire life of service. We are to be living sacrifices. And a living sacrifice is something that we should never stop being, of course, until the day we die. It sort of speaks for itself. So continually sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing. So, so how do we do these things? What, what are we continually sacrificing? None of us have reached perfection, and none of us are always giving our all for the Lord. And though we have been purchased, uh, Romans uh, says, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace, may, that grace abound? God forbid. Uh, how shall we? I can't remember. I'm kind of getting myself in trouble there. But you know the verse I'm talking about. Should we continue in sin because Jesus Christ has redeemed us? And God forbid. So what are ways that we can continually make sacrifices for the Lord? Where are areas you and I can improve upon? Uh, thoughts, our words, our anger, anger issues. And men have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. It's, it's, it's so easy. You get frustrated, you're especially working on laundromats and things, and, or dry cleaners. It's hot in there. And you're working on the steam equipment, and, and it, it, it can be frustrating sometimes. You just got to kind of take a step back, take a breath. And you have to continually work on that. It doesn't come naturally. You're not just going, oh, it's, it's burning hot in here. I'm okay. You know, you're not going to be joyful. It, it, it takes work, but it also takes acknowledgement. Hey, I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry right now. 
and I don't really have a reason to be angry. The Lord doesn't like me to be angry over such things, so I need to work at that. There's a choice there, and that's sacrificing our flesh really is what it's doing. How about love? Um, this verse, the verses here, Pastor even went over uh, some of them to talk about love for the brethren. But I'm, I'm fixing to get married here, and I love Amber. But Jesus Christ commanded me to love my wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How can I do something like that? That, I can't of myself accomplish that. And love is a choice. I have to continually be learning to love. Learn ways to love more, love more. And I think with this, with this church, I, I love you, these people to death. What are ways I can love that I can give to y'all? Y'all, North Carolina, y'all. <laughs> but uh, just things we can work on. Management. Uh, you know, our fathers, in particular, we manage our households for the Lord. We manage our, our children, our finances, you know, whatever it may be. How are we managing things for the Lord? Uh, how about witnessing? Um, I had a witness opportunity yesterday. Uh, no, it would have been Friday. Uh, it was with one again. And uh, you'd pray for him. I, I sort of haven't made a prayer request for him just because I wanted to, to say it for tonight. But one knows. He knows. His wife tells him. Uh, of course, I, I don't think that they are where we are, but uh, I looked up the church that his wife goes to, and, and um, they are, they call themselves Baptists, but I think they have at least somewhat understanding of salvation. But when I, I witness to him, he, he knows, he knows he's not saved. And he, he loves the Lord, um, but he, he, he won't, I talked to him about Jesus Christ and about sin, and uh, and I told him I said I said look at these people and we're in, in Raleigh stuck in traffic. I said you see all these people. I said these people don't have a clue what's coming to them. They live their lives busy, just living their lives for themselves. Go to work, make money as much as they can to, to please themselves. Themselves, they have no idea of of their Creator and of the judgment that is to come upon them. And one, and one will, will be like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I said, well, what about you, Juan? What about you? And, and he, he sort of hangs his head a little bit. And I, I talk to him. I said, Juan, you got to make a choice. Uh, he, he tells me, he says, it's, it's Christian life. He says, it's so hard. He says, I can't, I can't, it's so hard. And uh, I said, Juan, you can't do it. I said, you're, you're already condemned by the law. You've broken those commandments. Just because you might be sorry for those, you know, being sorry for them it doesn't do nothing. You need you need redemption. Uh, you are you're 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 in bondage. You're a slave to sin right now, and the only thing that can get you out of that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and he says he said I know I know I know. And uh, he he just tells me it's hard and it's hard. I, I can't do that. It's hard. And I, I try to get it through his head. You, you, you can't. It's not of works. But he, he loves his life. Um, 
the, the people that I work around, he, he's, he's a, a worldly guy, but he, he's got a soft heart. And I just pray, y'all pray for him. Um, because he knows, he knows what he needs to do. He knows he needs to make the decision. Um, but witnessing opportunities, finding ways that we can to witness. You know, we can't always just, just run around and witness every single person we run into. I mean, and the, the thing with, another thing I have to learn with Juan is you have to know when to stop. I can't force Juan to accept Jesus. I, it would be so easy for me to tell him, okay, let's pray this prayer and, and let's, you know, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's redeemed you. Just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Ask him to come into your heart. As Pastor say, no, he has to make Jesus Christ Lord of his life, as what as Pastor preached this morning. I appreciated that message, and he, that's what he's not willing to do. And but I, I can't force him; it, it's hard. So it, it takes wisdom uh, when you're dealing with people, and it, it, just one way that we can witness is just is just by living our lives the way that we're supposed to live life separated from the world. And uh, just a life of service. Uh, other ways, boldness. Um, Brother Hoyle's been talking about boldness in the book of Acts. I very much appreciated that. And I've come to realize something, is that some people are, are born more bold than others, but boldness really is a choice. Uh, you, you can choose to be bold. I think of Peter uh, in the garden when he, when he fled. When he said, he said he knew not the Lord. And then later on we see him in the book of Acts saying, you know, Jesus Christ is the one that y'all killed. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, Peter is bold. He learned, and that comes through grace. Uh, it, it comes through work. It comes from being a living sacrifice, continually working, growing, uh, noticing, you know, I, I didn't handle this, this the way that I should have handled it. Oh, I, I could have said something here and I didn't. Or I could have walked away and I didn't do that. It just takes observation, and as Nathan talked about, you know, walk circumspectly. And that's probably out of context, but <laughs> but just just look look for things to to look out for, and ways to improve, and and be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Don't just stop. Don't just be content and go through the motions of your, of your life, going to church and going to work. That that is not the way to live. Now, as husbands, we're we're to learn to love our wives more, and we're learn as as workers. We're, we're to how can I be a better employee? How can I manage my money better for the Lord? I mean, grow, be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And as I said, it's because we're debtors. We're a living sacrifice because of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Second uh, Peter, let's see First Peter two verses one through three. First Peter two one through three. Yeah. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire to grow. Stay in God's word. Read, study. Uh, there is always something. <laughs> I just trying to, I, I, I love, as I said, I, I love preparing messages. But it's hard for me to narrow things down because I see this, just in the book of it, just in this one chapter or two, I mean, I could, you could just go and go. And there's so much 
here that you could apply to your daily life. And you read one verse and you think of another passage. You read another verse and you think of another passage. There's so much in God's word that we have to study, that we have to grow. Don't let your devotions and, and come to church and just be going through the motions. Grow. Work at it. So my conclusion is, are you living your life separated into the Lord as his royal priesthood? The genealogies mean a lot in the Bible. Uh, they determine kings. Um, of course, you know, the genealogy of David leading up to Jesus Christ. And here it says, in verse, uh, chapter 2, of First Peter, verse ten says, "Which in time past were not a people." I think this passage is speaking direct, is speaking to the Jews, but there's obviously Gentiles here. You and I were, you and I are, are Gentiles. You and I were not, we're not chosen. We're not, we're not of Israel. But just, just think how how undeserving we are. But we are chosen to be a part of His royal priesthood to be a part of, of God's plan for creation, to serve and to be a witness, and, and to have that personal relationship with the Lord. We are his royal priesthood. We are a part of the family of God. And I, I look around at this world, and I just, I, I feel us talking with my parents last night. I feel I don't belong here. <laughs> this world is just so wicked. And I don't know how many of y'all watch the Super Bowl. Those commercials, every commercial, it just makes you shake your head. The halftime show, and it's just, it's like, where am I? It's like an alternate universe that we live in. A man can be a woman, and a woman can be a man. It's, just, it's so confusing. And that there's no right, there's no wrong. This, it's just, it's that we have to, there's no, there's no superiority in nations that, you know, America can't be better than other nations. It's, it's just, no, there's one, one is better, one is not as good. I mean, it's a common sense. It just, the world is so confused. And it's just, it's a blessing. We are a peculiar people to stand out, to, be, to make a difference in this world. And, you know, all of this, you, know, you can sit in church your whole life and you can taste of the things of God, but never really consume it, uh, never accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I've had many, many, and I know many people that have just walked away. And though Jesus Christ died for one, and though Jesus Christ died for the sins of the entire world, We have to accept him. We have to accept his gift of salvation. And if you don't have a desire to grow, if you don't have a desire to be, to be separated from the world, something is wrong there. You should not want the things of this world. And a lot of it takes growing in grace, but what mainly I believe does is, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us and shows us, you know, this is wrong. It, the Holy Spirit ingrains in our conscience really the law, and when we when we hear things and we hear things that just just aren't right, and and not that we hear voices from from the Lord, but we know 
go, this is wrong. This isn't right. And if, if you go through life and, and you're okay with, with some of the world's philosophies and with there's something wrong there. If you don't have a desire to, to grow, there's something wrong there as well. So I, I just, I pray you young people, don't, don't make the decisions my friends have in the past. So many. I think of even the pastors that ha- have fallen, but really I look back and wonder sometimes if they were even saved. Really. You can you can know you can study God's word. I think of um, I think it's Dan Barker. Um, he he's a full blown atheist. Grew up I guess I think it was in a fundamentalist church. Obviously heard the things of God his whole life and was a preacher, and uh, just turned away from it. And, and you know, we you could do that if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you haven't submitted your all to Him and become a living sacrifice unto the Lord, then you don't have that Holy Spirit. You don't have that redemption. A gift is something you have to accept. And I sometimes don't like the way you know, p- people sort of dwindle salvation out here, like, oh, here, here's a gift, just take it, just take it. But the f- same type of the philosophy is, is still s- sort of there. That if you don't accept the gift... What, what good does it do to you? If I, if I have a $100 bill and I say, okay, I'm going to give it to you, and you don't take it, what good does that $100, what good does that $100 do for you? It doesn't do nothing for you. And it's, it's the same thing with, with salvation. If you don't accept Jesus Christ, if you don't accept his atonement, his gift, his, his redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, then that, that gift really is, is, is vain to you. It's empty to you. So don't don't allow that to happen. Just grow in grace, grow in truth. That's my encouragement to you tonight. Pastor, you can come.